and welcome to Seeking the Gospel Truth. I'm Giselle Aguiar. You know, the more I study the Bible, the more I realize that every single book from Genesis to Revelation all point to Jesus. In the Old Testament, Jesus is predicted. In the New Testament, he is revealed, preached, explained, and expected. You find him everywhere because Jesus is the hero of the entire Bible. I've covered most of the New Testament, and you can find those studies on my blog. This next series is a hunt for Jesus in the Old Testament. It's how God's story becomes our story when we invite him into our lives. It will help us get to know God better, more intimately. And that's what he wants. He wants a relationship with us. Yes, you and me. I pray that as you hear this message, it will inspire you to study the Bible daily for yourself. Seek the truth. I pray that God opens your heart, eyes, and mind to study what his spirit is trying to tell you. And as you become rooted in the word, you'll also be rooted in hope, joy, and peace. Let's dig in. Genesis 38 to 41, dreams and schemes and a favorite son, Joseph's story. Now we come to the last great story in Genesis, the story of Joseph. Remember, Joseph was the first son born to Rachel, the wife that Jacob really loved. Hence, he became the favorite son. Unfortunately, this caused extreme jealousy and envy among his half-brothers. Recall, too, that Judah is the ancestor of Jesus. So why this focus on Joseph? Well, this next part is a critical portion of Jewish history. It explains how everyone ends up in Egypt. Let's dig in. We're in Genesis 37. So Jacob settled again in the land of Canaan, where his father had lived as a foreigner. This is the account of Jacob and his family. When Joseph was 17 years old, he often tended his father's flocks. He worked for his half-brothers, the sons of his father's wives, Bilhah and Zilpah, but Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things his brothers were doing. Jacob, also known as Israel, loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe, a coat of many colors. But his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say a kind word to him. One night Joseph had a dream. When he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. Listen to this dream, he said. We were out in the field tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly my bundle stood up and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. His brothers responded, so you think you will be our king, do you? Do you actually think you will reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way he talked about them. Soon Joseph had another dream and again he told his brothers about it. Listen, I have had another dream. The sun, moon, and 11 stars bowed down, bowed low before me. This time he told the dream to his father as well as to his brothers, but his father scolded him. What kind of dream is that, he asked. Will your mother and I, your brothers, actually come and bow to the ground before you? But while his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his father wondered what the dreams meant. Soon after this, Joseph's brothers went to pasture their father's flocks at Shechem. When they had uh, been gone for some time, uh, Jacob said to Joseph, your brothers are pasturing the sheep at Shechem. 
get ready and I will send you to them. I'm ready to go, Joseph replied. Go and see how your brothers in the flocks are getting along, Jacob said. Then come back and bring me a report. Okay. All right. So um, he went to Shechem and couldn't find them. And after asking around, he learned they had gone on to Dothan. And, and when we get, Joseph gets into trouble. So we're in verse 18. When Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they recognized him in the distance as he approached. They made plans to kill him. Here comes the dreamer, they said. Come on, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns. We can tell our father a wild animal has eaten him. Then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. But when Reuben, the oldest, heard of their scheme, he came to Joseph's rescue. Let's not kill him, he said. Why should we shed any blood? Let's just throw him in this empty cistern here in the wilderness. Then he'll die without our laying a hand on him. Now, Reuben was secretly planning to rescue Joseph and return him to his father. So when Joseph arrived, his brothers ripped off the beautiful robe he was wearing. Then they grabbed him and threw him into the cistern. Now the cistern was empty. There was no water in it. Then just as they were sitting down to eat, they looked up and saw a caravan of camels in the distance coming toward them. It was a group of Ishmaelite trailers taking a load of gum, balm, and aromatic resin from Gilead down to Egypt. Now, do you remember who Ishmael, Ishmael was? Ishmael was the first son born to Abraham um, through Sarah's maid, Hagar, okay, who is the ancestor of all of the Arabs. So this is an, this is an, Ish, uh, an Ishmaelite um, bunch of people here. All right, continuing. Verse 26, Judah said to his brothers, what will we gain by killing our brother? We'd have to cover up the crime. Instead of hurting him, let's sell him to those Ishmaelite trailers. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. And his brothers agreed. So when the Ishmaelites, who were Midianite traders, came by, Joseph's brothers pulled them out of the cistern and sold, them, sold him to them for 20 pieces of silver. And the traders took him to Egypt. Sometime later, Reuben returned to get Joseph out of the cistern. When he discovered that Joseph was missing, he tore his clothes in grief. Then he went back to his brothers and lamented, the boy is gone, what will I do now? Then the brothers killed a young goat and dipped Joseph's robe in, his, in, in its blood. They sent the beautiful robe to their father with this message, look what we found. Doesn't this robe belong to your son? Their father recognized it immediately. Yes. It, he said, it's my son's robe. A wild animal must have eaten him. Joseph has clearly been torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his clothes and dressed himself in burlap. He mourned deeply for his son for a long time. His family all tried to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. I will go to my grave mourning for my son, he would say. And then he would weep. It was Genesis 27, 18 through 35. So now the next chapter, we have Judah and Tamar, who are Jesus' ancestors. So you'd think Jesus' lineage would be godly and righteous. Not entirely so. I'll summarize this next chapter, but I do encourage you to read it for yourself. That's Genesis 38. So Israel, Jacob, and his sons were the only family in Canaan who worshipped the one true God. All the surrounding peoples were pagans. Now Judah leaves and enters the godless culture of the Canaanites, who were descendants of Ham, Noah's cursed son. So Judah marries a Canaanite woman and has three sons. So I'm going to read from Genesis 37, verses 6 through 8. 
In the course of time, Judah arranged for his firstborn son, Ur, E-R, to marry a young woman named Tamar. But Ur was a wicked man in the Lord's sight, so the Lord took his life. Then Judah said to Ur's brother, Onan, go and marry Tamar as our law requires of the brother of a man who has died. You must produce an heir for your brother. However, all right. Um, I'm kind of summarizing the next part here. However, Onan didn't want to have children, and God ended his life too. Judah's younger son was too young to marry Tamar, so Judah told her to wait until he was of age. Tamar didn't want to and took matters into her own hands. She dressed up as a prostitute and tricked Judah into sleeping with her. She then becomes pregnant with twins and proves that they are Judah's, and the first one out is named Perez. Perez, who is in Jesus's lineage. And you can take a look at Matthew 1. And I have a study on Matthew 1 linked in my blog, so you can check those out. All right, let's go back to Joseph. So Joseph in Egypt. When Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite trailers, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. The Lord was with Joseph... <clears throat> So he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. This pleased Potiphar, so he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. From the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. All his household affairs ran smoothly. His crops and livestock flourished. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing except what kind of food to eat. Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man, and Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Lust of the flesh. Come and sleep with me, she demanded, but Joseph refused. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. Man knew. This was even before the Ten Commandments, people, okay? It was a sin. You do not sleep with somebody else's wife. That's adultery. All right. So then I'm going to summarize the next little chunk here. One day, Joseph was alone in the house with Potiphar's wife, and she tried again to seduce him. She grabbed his coat, but Joseph ran, leaving her holding his coat. She then accused him of attacking her, and he was wrongly imprisoned. However, Joseph's goodness and righteousness won him favor with the jailer, and he was given a position of authority. Two of his prison inmates are Pharaoh's chief cupbearer and his chief baker, who had offended their royal master. Okay, so we're taking over in uh, verse 5 of, um, we're in 40? Now I think we are. Chapter 40? Yes, we are in chapter 40. Verse 5. While they were in prison, Pharaoh's cupbearer and baker each had a dream one night, and each dream had its own meaning. When Joseph saw them in the next morning, he noticed that they both looked upset. Why do you look so worried today, he asked them. And they replied, we both had dreams last night, but no one can tell us what they mean. Interpreting dreams is God's business, Joseph replied. Go ahead and tell me your dreams. 
So the chief cupbearer told Joseph his dream first. In my dream, he said, I saw a grapevine in front of me. The vine had three branches that began to bud and blossom, and soon it produced clusters of ripe grapes. I was holding Pharaoh's wine cup in my hand, so I took a cluster of grapes and squeezed the juice into the cup. Then I placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. This is what the dream means, Joseph said. The three branches represent three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift you up and restore you to your position as chief cupbearer. And please remember me and do me a favor when things go well for you. Mention me to Pharaoh so he might let me out of this place. For I was kidnapped from my homeland, the land of the Hebrews, and now I'm here in prison. But I did nothing to deserve it. When the chief baker saw that Joseph had given the first dream such a positive interpretation, he said to Joseph, I had a dream too. In my dream, there were three baskets of white pastries stacked on my head. The top basket contained all kinds of pastries for Pharaoh, but the birds came and ate them from the basket on my head. This is what the dream means, Joseph told him. The three baskets also represent three days. Three days from now, Pharaoh will lift you up and impale your body on a pole. Then birds will come and peck away at your flesh. Well, Pharaoh's birthday came three days later and he prepared a banquet for all his officials and staff. He summoned his chief cupbearer and chief baker to join the officials. He then restored the chief cupbearer to his former position so he could again hand Pharaoh his cup. But Pharaoh impaled the chief baker just as Joseph had predicted when he interpreted his dream. Pharaoh's chief cupbearer, however, forgot all about Joseph never giving him another thought. That was Genesis 40. 5 to 23. Now we have Pharaoh's dreams. Well, two full years later, Pharaoh dreamed that he was standing on the bank of the Nile River. In his dream, he saw seven fat, healthy cows come up out of the river and begin grazing in the marsh grass. Then he saw seven more cows come up behind them from the Nile, but these were scrawny and thin, and these cows stood beside the fat cows on the riverbank. Then the scrawny, thin cows ate the seven healthy fat cows. At this point in the dream, Pharaoh woke up, but he fell asleep again and had a second dream. This time he saw seven heads of grain, plump and beautiful, growing on a single stalk. Then seven more heads of grain appeared, but these were shriveled and withered by the east wind. And these thin heads swallowed up the seven plump, well-formed heads. Then Pharaoh woke up again and realized it was a dream. The next morning, Pharaoh was very disturbed by the dreams, so he called for all the magicians and wise men of Egypt. When Pharaoh told them his dreams, not one of them could tell him what they meant. Finally, the king's chief cupbearer spoke up. Today, have, I have been reminded of my failure, he told Pharaoh. Some time ago, you were angry with the chief baker and me, and you imprisoned us in the palace of the captain of the guard. One night, the chief baker and I each had a dream, and each dream had its own meaning. There was a young Hebrew man with us in prison who was a slave of the captain of the guard. Who told We told him our dreams, and he told us what each of our dreams meant, and everything happened just as he had predicted. I was restored to my position as cupbearer, and the chief baker was executed and impaled on a pole. Pharaoh sent for Joseph at once and he was quickly brought from prison 
And after he shaved and cleaned his clothes, he went in and stood before Pharaoh. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream last night and no one here can tell me what it means. But I have heard that when you hear about a dream, you can interpret it. It is beyond my power to do this, Joseph replied, but God can tell you what it means and set you at ease. That was Genesis 41, 1 through 16. So Pharaoh tells Joseph his dreams, uh, you know, so I'm not going to repeat them again. And Joseph gives him the interpretation, which turns out to be a timely warning. We pick it up in verse 25. Joseph responded, both of Pharaoh's dreams mean the same thing. God is telling Pharaoh in advance what he is about to do. The seven healthy cows and the seven healthy heads of grain both represent seven years of prosperity. The seven thin scrawny cows that come up later and the seven thin heads of grain withered by the east wind represent seven years of famine. This will happen just as I have described it for God has revealed to Pharaoh in advance what he is about to do. The next seven years will be a period of great prosperity throughout the land of Egypt. But afterward, there will be seven years of famine so great that all the prosperity will be forgotten in Egypt. Famine will destroy the land. This famine will be so severe that even the memory of the good years would be erased. As for having two similar dreams, it means that these events have been decreed by God and he will soon make them happen. Therefore, Pharaoh should find an intelligent and wise man and put him in charge of the entire land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh should appoint supervisors over the land and let them collect one-fifth of all the crops during the seven good years, have them gather all the food produced in the good years that are just ahead and bring it to Pharaoh's storehouses, store it away and guard it so there will be food in the cities. That way there will be enough to eat when the seven years of famine come to the land of Egypt. Otherwise, the famine will destroy the land. That's Genesis 41, 25 through 36. So Joseph was made ruler of Egypt. During the good years, he stored away the crops. It says in verse 49, he piled up huge amounts of grain like sand on a seashore. Finally, he stopped keeping records because there was too much to measure. And then he married and had two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. Joseph said uh, in verse 52, God has made me fruitful in this land of my grief. Oh, then we continue in verse 53. At last, the seven years of bumper crops throughout the land of Egypt came to an end. Then the seven years of famine began, just as Joseph had predicted. The famine also struck all surrounding countries. But throughout Egypt, there was plenty of food. Eventually, however, the famine spread throughout the land of Egypt as well. When the people cried out to Pharaoh for food, he told them, go to Joseph and do whatever he tells you. So with severe famine everywhere, Joseph opened up the storehouses and distributed grain to the Egyptians for the famine was severe throughout the land of Egypt. And people from all around came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph because the famine was severe throughout the world. Genesis 43, 53 to 57. So here are some things to think about. There was a lot of sinning going on here, which makes you stop and think, what good can come from all this sin? As we will see, God brings good out of evil. And we shall see how all this plays out. 
Is Joseph a picture of Jesus? Jesus was stripped, defiled, sold, and killed in order for us to be saved and become children of God. Joseph is an example of how to respond when treated unfairly. He was righteous. His goodness shined no matter what situation he was in. God blessed him even in prison. He responded by giving God the glory for the interpretation of the dreams. He served God wherever he was, and he bloomed where he was planted. So you see, God is with you and knows what you're doing, going through, thinking and feeling every moment of your life. And Paul wrote in Romans 8.28, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Do you love God? Have you surrendered your life to him? What are you waiting for? Invite Jesus into your heart and receive the gift and confident hope of eternal life. If you're not sure how to do that, if you're not sure what to say, there's a prayer in the show notes, or you can click on over to my blog and click where it says, I do invite Jesus into your heart. And again, there's a lot uh, more links in my blog where you can dig deeper. Soli Deo Gloria, to God alone be the glory. Thank you for listening to this episode. I pray that the Holy Spirit, the author of Scripture, touched your heart to reveal the gospel truth that our hope of salvation is through Jesus Christ alone. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to reach out to me via my website or social media. I encourage you to read the Bible daily and seek the truth for yourself. I recommend that you download two free Bible study apps, the YouVersion Bible app and Through the Word. Friends, we are living in strange, crazy times, the last days, the end times. But know that things aren't falling apart, they are falling into place. Jesus said in Revelation 3, 20-22, Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in, and we will share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious, and sat with my father on his throne. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Jesus is knocking. It's up to you to open the door. Peter told us in 2 Peter 3.9, The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed or perish but wants everyone to repent. Jesus is coming back soon. Are you ready? Repent of your sins and invite Jesus into your heart right now. If you don't know what to say, there's a prayer in the show notes and on my blog. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 14, and the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it and then the end will come. Soli Deo Gloria, to God alone be the glory.